0: The Adam Gase-Alex Lewis saga continues this week. How much more dysfunction will come to the Jets in the final month of the season? We'll preview Gang Green's matchup with the Raiders Sunday, get into Brian's book, stump the cause, and hear from you, the listeners, as we dive into your voicemails. We'll also chat with a former Pro Bowl Jets receiver, a key piece of the only Jets team to finish over 500 in the last decade. Brandon Marshall joins the show. All that and more on a happy December edition of the Gangs All Here podcast from the New York Post.
1: You played to win the game.
0: Welcome, welcome, welcome back to Gangs All Here, our Jets podcast here from the New York Post. It's Jake Brown. It's Brian Costello. You can catch up with us on Twitter, at Jake Brown Radio at Brian Kaz. Subscribe to the show wherever you get pods. Give us a five-star rating. Write it a nice review. We appreciate your support. Continued in this miserable 0-11 season. Five games to go, because We're getting closer and closer to the finish line, and Brandon Marshall's going to join us For a hell of an interview in the second half of the show, we'll have Stump the Cause coming up. We'll hear from you, the fans, coming up for the first time in our voicemail segment. So we got a couple of good voicemails from some loyal listeners, loyal fans. So we will do that. We'll have Brian's book, and it's a Brandon Marshall-themed edition. But, Cause, it's getting cold outside. I don't know about you, but uh, it was 60, like, less than a week ago. And now you go outside. Last night I went to the bodega, and I was freezing. I was, like, screaming out loud, like, woo! I was not prepared for the cold. And, you know, you want to combine that with an 0-11 team and COVID and all the restrictions and everything going on. It's not a fun time to be a Jet. Outside of that salary <laughs> and what they're making, it is not a fun time to be a Jet Jet fan, a Jet reporter, or a player themselves right now.
1: Yeah, I was out at practice today, Jake, and it's, it's cold. Yeah. It's cold. And I was thinking out there, like, how miserable must these guys be practicing in December at 0-11, in the cold, like that is not fun. I know they're getting to play football and they're getting paid a lot of money, so there's that, but this can't be this can't be what <laughs> anyone signed up for when they they were thought, you know, oh I'm gonna be an NFL player. Like that this this just miserable this season is just miserable and it's hard to believe that there's still five games left.
0: And you reach the part where things start to come out and dysfunction starts to happen and you know, earlier in the year we had kind of Greg Williams somewhat throw the offense under the bus. Uh, That didn't sit too well, and like you said on the last show, that could play a factor of why Greg Williams hasn't taken over as the head coach uh, for Adam Gase yet. Now the recent saga is Alex Lewis. Now Adam Gase has been very mum on this. He said they had a conversation. He said they didn't have an altercation. They had a conversation. I don't know how much you buy into someone like incarcerated Bob, but he he uh, said that a source that was on the roster said that I should have followed Jamal, Alex Lewis said, and Gay said, get the F out. I don't know if you buy into that, but obviously there was a disagreement because he didn't practice again on Wednesday. What the hell is going on with Adam Gase and our former guest of the show, Alex Lewis?
1: Yeah, it's not totally clear, Jake. Uh, I, I've talked to people about that incarcerated Bob report. I think he has some things right, but not completely. I, I think I think that comment was made, but I think it was made three months ago. <laughs> it was made or two months ago. It was made a while ago. It wasn't like last week. That's not what the, is at the crux of this issue. Here's the thing, Jake. They are zero and eleven, right? If everyone on this roster is happy right now, something's wrong. So there's gonna there's a lot. There should be a lot of miserable people in that building when you have a lot of miserable people around each other there should be some arguments going on no one should be happy right now and it's going to lead to some conflict so i don't think that they got into it alex lewis was in he didn't practice wednesday but he's still in every meeting so that tells me like they they're not like cutting him today or anything like that. He's still in the meetings. I'm not exactly sure what is going on. If this is just a disciplinary, they sat him down for a while. You know, like you said, Gase has kind of been evasive of that. I don't think Gase would have said what he said the other day about it wasn't an altercation. It was a, a conversation. Something clearly happened. You know, my guess is that Alex Lewis probably just isn't handling the losing very well. Maybe he expressed something that he shouldn't have expressed to either Adam Gase or to a teammate, you know, the Jets are are disciplining him for, for whatever happened in practice last week.
0: And listen, you've been covering bad Jets teams. You've seen it. Have you seen in the past, I mean, you've wrote about it, stories where the team just crumbles, especially in the final month of the season. Like we said, it's cold. COVID, you got to wear a mask on the sideline. Yeah. There's no fans. I mean, everything from A to Z is different. You can't do certain things. You can't go to charity events. You can't, there's not as many endorsement deals. There's not as many things you can make money on the side, like in the past, like all this factors in and just makes one big mess. And, you know, you've been covering the Jets for a decade and you've seen one team, and we'll talk about it with Brandon Marshall later, that finish over 500. So you've seen things like this happen where a team just falls apart.
1: I've been shocked, Jake, that this team hasn't fallen apart sooner. Like that, that's the thing. Cause of all those things you mentioned, the COVID is a whole different ball game. And there's guys on the team, Jake, who haven't seen their kids in months. Like they're not, you know, they, if their kids don't live here, they can't go home and see them. Like they couldn't go home in the bye week or anything. So I think this season is really worn on guys. And I've been amazed that they haven't just gotten their doors blown off. They got their doors blown off early in the season, but I didn't think that was effort. But like, if you remember Jake, like 2018, Todd Bowles last year, where they played Buffalo. You remember that game at MetLife, and they lost like 41 to 10. Like they didn't show up that day. Like that team, that team folded its 10 and they were done at that point. And they were playing out the string the rest of the year. I think they won one more game, maybe 2016, where I talked to Brandon about he and Sheldon Richardson getting into it in Kansas City. That team folded you know, that team was coming off high expectations of the year before things didn't go well early in the season and they, they folded. So this team hasn't done it yet. I, I, maybe it happened Sunday. I kind of keep waiting for them to just look like they haven't even shown up and lose 45 to nothing, you know, maybe that's coming, but yeah, I, I think they're human beings, Jake. Like, how would you be dealing with it? If you just, if you're getting your butt kicked every week and you're Owen and 11 and all those other things you mentioned, you know, there, there has to be some tension in that building right now.
0: Oh yeah. I mean, you know, there'll be punches six feet apart. Uh, you know, people would be going down like Nate Robinson in the ring over the weekend. I mean, that was uh, ugly. So yeah, I can't imagine what is happening there. And you know, there's probably plenty of stuff we don't, Hear about and you did a piece and you know Mark Cannizzaro did a voice piece about just fire Gates. You said um the Gates era was doomed. That obviously it's a headline, but you talked about this team just not having that identity they haven't had since Rex Ryan had. What is this Jets team? They're not a team that's running down your throat. They're not a team that's throwing down the field. They're not a team that's you know this defensive dominant unit. They're not a team that's even good on special teams just anything on this team you pick you pinpoint each thing and the only thing they're okay at is uh, stopping the run and even that they're not great at so there's literally nothing on this team you'd be like oh they're good at this they're they're just bad at everything and that's just boiled down to an 0-11 season and, you know, it comes up next against the Raiders and you, we always say the Jets are the – you always say the Jets are the get-right get team right. and the yeah. Raiders are coming off one of these just disastrous losses of their – maybe of their franchise history to the Atlanta Falcons, guys, of all teams where they had five turnovers. So you want to talk about a get-right game. It's the Raiders coming off back-to-back losses, almost beat the Chiefs, get pounced by the Falcons. This is a team that's fighting for a playoff spot. You want to talk about Get Right. They got to do that on Sunday at MedLife. Almost, what is it, a year after they got crushed by the Jets at MedLife.
1: Yeah, Jake, it's not only a Get Right game, it's a revenge game for the Raiders because they came in here last year in the hunt for the playoffs. The Jets stomped them, and they missed the playoffs. But, you know, the question I've gotten a ton this year, going back to September, October, is when can the Jets win a game? And consistently, I think I've said on this podcast and other places, is I think they maybe could catch a team – that's feeling good about themselves. Like not, not a great team. Like they're not going to beat the Seahawks, you know, but a team like the, I thought the dolphins this past week or a team like the Raiders, if they could catch them on a winning streak and maybe they catch them look overlooking the jets, they could win that game. They just haven't been able to get that. The dolphins lose to the Broncos the week before they play them and go to fits, you know, that killed them. And now the Raiders get killed by the Falcons. So they're going to be all, they're going to be on point this week and be focused and then, and then you start going Seahawks-Rams, like those teams could, I think, could play their C game and beat the Jets. So, you know, maybe the Browns, <laughs> the Browns maybe could be riding high coming in here after Christmas, you know, a little, you know, post-Christmas feeling good and they, they get beat, but it's... Um... I know Jets fans aren't looking for that win right now, but that, that's kind of been my thought all along and they just haven't, haven't been able to even catch a break from the schedule really, Jake.
0: It's really either this game or the last week of the season where you pinpoint maybe the Jets could win a Raiders team struggling or the Patriots in the last week, especially if they are out of the playoff race. Um, It's really scoreboard watching. I mean, at the Vikings is the big game the Jets will be watching Dad for. Was. Yep.
1: Mike Lennon's starting again, Jake. Yeah, that gives him a shot. So you're saying there's a chance. You think think Glennon gives him a better shot than Minshew.
0: Yes, well, he gives them a better shot than Luton, who is starting before Yes, yes I
1: agree with Luton, but Minshew, I think Minshew, you know, he's won some games. I, I, I would think Minshew would give him a better shot than Glennon. But... Yeah,
0: I think Minshew's mustache is known more known for his mustache than his arm per se. But uh yeah, it's pretty equivalent. I mean, Glennon's won some games in the NFL. He's a solid backup. Let's go. This is the game they got to win. You give the Jets some breathing room and allow the Jets fans. You know, you could breathe easier when you know in five games you're allowed. You could win one and not be angry. Now you go in every week you're like, please don't win, please don't win, um, because you know it's a big difference. Just lose, baby. You know the the telling stat in this one on Jets Raiders cause is this is the Raiders have only been favored one other time since two thousand by this high a number on the road. They are favored by seven and a half. They were favored by nine and a half at Arizona in 2002 and that was the year they made the Super Bowl so that shows you you know anytime you're playing the Jets you're getting favored by a good number coming off a five turnover game because I'm taking the Raiders 34-17 get right and back in the playoff race for John Gruden and company the tank for Trevor
1: is still alive yeah I do think that also speaks to how bad the Raiders have been for since that Super Bowl appearance Jake so this is their best team They've had, or they, they had, a, you know, they had one good team. I think under Jack Del Rio, but they've been pretty bad. Yeah, I think the Raiders are going to win this game. I haven't looked at it in terms of the score yet, but I think that the Raiders, like we said, I think they're going to be focused after that Falcons game and come in here and play well. And to me, Jake, like, there's a question of like Josh Jacobs, their their star running back, has a sprained ankle. Like, here's what I keep shouting when I at the opposing coaches: Why are you running the ball in the Jets? You can throw all day long, and these coaches keep going like. Uh, you know, let's let's establish the run. No, just throw the ball. I, I wouldn't hand the ball off once against the Jets. I would just throw all day. Like you, these guys should be thrown for four hundred yards against the secondary. So you know, I think Gruden is going to see that. I think I think Derek Carr is going to have a very big day.
0: Cause Brandon Jacobs can come out of retirement and they would still beat the Jets <laughs> at this point. Uh, so the Raiders make it zero and twelve for the Jets. Just lose, baby. Let's dive into Brian's book now. Is let's look back to. You know, the days of Brandon Marshall and you guys, you know, you covered him. Uh, the Jets went 10 and 6 that year. He'll tell us about it in a bit. But let's tell a Brandon Marshall
2: story this week, guys.
1: <laughs> One thing I always remember about Brandon, Brandon was very in tune, Jake, with the media in terms of like what all of our jobs were and the difference between a beat writer and a columnist. And, you know, there's few guys I've covered that have been like that. A-Rod was like that with the Yankees, but A-Rod was more pretentious about it. Like A-Rod only wanted to talk to you if you were a big deal. He didn't want to talk to the small reporters. Brandon just kind of more understood the job. So every year on Thanksgiving, Jake, I don't know how many years I've been doing this, but I live very close to the Jets facility in Florham Park. Most of the other beat reporters do not. They live far away. I've always said, I'll go on Thanksgiving, and I send out what's called a pool report. So I basically just email them, and it's usually about injuries, like who's practicing, who's not, if someone's coming back from an injury, what they're doing. And so i I I think that must have been 2015, Brandon's first year. It might have been 16. I can't remember. I went to practice on Thanksgiving. So I'm the only reporter there. And Brandon was like blown away that I was the only reporter (laughs) at practice on Thanksgiving. I don't think he understood completely the pool report aspect of it, but he just thought that I showed such dedication. So – he actually came over and posed for a selfie. He grabbed the phone from a PR guy, posed for a selfie with me. And then um, the following game, he he said, I, I got to ask the first question because I was the only one dedicated enough to go to practice on Thanksgiving. And he brings it up. You've heard it, Jake. He brings it up every time we talk to him. It's like Brandon's lasting memory of me is me. I practice on Thanksgiving. So I always crack up that, you know, how much Brandon appreciated that I, I showed up on Thanksgiving.
0: Yeah. We need to find that photo in the archive somewhere. Yeah. It's, it's gotta be out there somewhere so like, that's a great story and you know dedication is important brandon marshall was a dedicated player and i love to see what he's doing after his career now he really shaved himself yeah. up well i mean he's like jamaican he's got so many jobs it's amazing the guys got like 10 jobs and so many things to plug so uh you know that's yeah a fun interview And Brandon,
1: you know he had a t- he had a rocky time in his career in miami and early in his career in denver so to see like what he's done with himself is pretty amazing like he's really embraced uh, mental health awareness and, and a lot of other causes and and he's impressive and Jake like I, I've said this about him and, and like, I didn't know how good he was until I saw him every day and like he was amazing to watch practice there's two receivers the Jets have had in my time with, around them that were amazing to watch in practice it was him and Santonio Holmes they were different like you watch them and the way they could cut and the way they ran routes it was just different um, obviously Brandon you know he set he set a whole bunch of jets records in 2015, and they haven't had a 1,000-yard receiver since he left.
0: And, Kaz, you wrote a story about it, and we'll, we'll talk about it later in the season, but needing to address receiver, and there's a lot of big names out there. Allen Robinson, Will Fuller, who just got suspended for PEDs, Galladay, Juju, there's a lot of good names out there, and the Jets have got to get at least one of them to pair with Denzel Mims, and if they do decide to pick up Crowder's option, they'll, they'll have a great receiving core, hopefully for Trevor Lawrence. You mentioned Miami. Let's bring in our resident Miami Dolphins fan, Alex Camerata. He did Stump you? Is he
1: is he happy with the win, Jake? That's what we have to know. Yeah, is Alex, I, I'm much happier
0: today. I'm yeah. much okay, happier. All right. he needed a couple of days to realize that his team yeah. is overachieving to the max right now. So Alex uh, you, is in you know, better spirits. He's not going to be
1: happy. He's not going to be happy if they only beat the Bengals by fourteen this week. That's so, true. You know, I think they're. You got to blow out the Bengals.
2: What is this? I think the spread right now is 11 and a half. I had a double take when I saw that spread. I could not believe that the <laughs> Miami Dolphins are double digit favorites in a game. I yeah, can't well,
0: enjoy it while you can, because we don't know how long it'll last. Brian <laughs> Flores right there with Mike Tomlin as coach of the year candidate. All right. Stump the cause time. Alex stumped, stumped you me. last week. Can he stump yeah. you two weeks in a row? Alex, take it away.
2: All right, here we go. In Brandon Marshall's first season with the Jets in 2015, he caught a franchise-high 14 touchdown passes, tying him with two former Jets. Kaz, the question, do you know who the two Jets are on that list for the most touchdown passes caught in a single season?
1: Oh man, I should
2: know this. I I was just looking at his numbers.
1: Don Maynard is one. That's one. See, the second one's
2: a little bit tricky. He, He technically wasn't a Jet, he was a New York Titan, but it still counts. He was a New York Titan.
1: Oh, my God. Come on. Come on, Alex.
2: I think uh, I got a loophole, Jake.
0: Mark Canizero would know that. He's a few years older than Cos.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know the second one. I don't know the second one, Alex. Who was the second one?
2: The second one was Art Powell. Powell. He played legendary Art Powell. In, he played the Art Powell. 68. Oh, yes. yeah, oh, yeah. Big Art yeah, Powell guy.
1: I do remember. I do remember that writing Art Powell's name when Brandon was closing
2: in on that record. What year was that? Art Powell did that back in 1960.
0: Oh, so Canizaro was like twelve year. years old then, fourteen. He was he was a teenager in nineteen sixty. Wow! All right, stump the cause two weeks in a row. Although that one uh, is almost impossible. I will give cause that. that that is very hard.
2: <laughs> Listen, in order to that. stump him, you got to make it harder and harder. I agree, week. and
0: and you have written
1: his name. You said so. You did. You are aware
0: that the I have written exists. his name,
1: but it's been it was probably five years since I've written his name. You know, yeah, that I do remember when Brandon was closing in on on that checking that out.
0: All right, and future Stump the Cause, we will eliminate the New York Titans.
1: From, <laughs> yeah, can I at category. least get no New York Titans questions, Alex? Like, <laughs> yeah. come on.
0: Yeah, I'll so, dig deeper. All right. I, know
1: I'm, I know I'm older than you guys, but I'm not that old.
0: Yeah, back-to-back weeks. The Cause has been stumped. Uh, Coming stumped. up next is Brandon Marshall here on Gangs All Here. Joining us next is a former Jets wide receiver. He played two seasons for Gang Green in 2015 and 2016. He was a Pro Bowler in 2015 for the Jets team, the only one that had a record over 500 in the last decade. Good times. He would make the Pro Bowl five more times with the Broncos, Dolphins, and Bears. 13 NFL seasons, six teams, six Pro Bowls, and All Pro. NFL receiving touchdown co-leader. NFL record for 21 receptions in a game. 12,351 receiving yards and 83 touchdowns later. He's retired and on your TV screens, you can catch him on Showtime's Inside the NFL. You catch him on First Things First on FS1. He's also the co-founder of Project 375. And you can catch him on the I Am Athlete podcast on YouTube. I watched some of it really good with Ocho Cinco on there. And finally, you can also check out his House of Athlete facility supplements, apparel line, all right, that's a grand enough intro. It's Brandon Marshall joining God us Lee. on Gangs All Here. How is that, Brandon? Was that long enough for you? Jeez, am I doing all of that? <laughs> I have
3: to, to all of that. Yeah, all right, yeah. we're,
0: out of, we're out of time. Yeah, that's it. That's the 15 minutes. We're up after that. Um, I'm going to need some oxygen uh, following that uh, eulogy reading for you, Brandon. How are you doing right now uh, during these COVID times? I know you're busy.
3: Yeah, uh, yeah, definitely busy. But you know, I love it, man. Um, you know, out, you know, outside of COVID, you know, obviously this is tough time for a lot of us. A lot of us have to adjust, um, pivot, you know, make tough decisions. Some of us lost loved ones. Some of us are hurting ourselves. Uh, so, you know, definitely challenging times, but you know, when you lean into, you know, what we're doing. It's exciting. You know, I imagined this back in 2014 when I was playing for the Chicago Bears, and I put a plan together of, like, how am I going to transition? What's going to be life after football? And uh, it's absolutely awesome. You know, our team is strong. We managed to stay together uh, throughout the pandemic. You know, we're, we're reaping the benefits now. So super excited about where we're at and super excited about life.
1: Brandon, um, I know you're still following football closely with Inside the NFL and everything you're doing. What uh, What are your thoughts on the zero eleven New York Jets right now?
3: So we just want to get right into it. B, is that what we're doing? Huh?
1: <laughs> right into it, man. You know how I okay. am. Right into it.
3: <laughs> I mean, come on, man. It's just, it's a it's a it's a terrible year for the Jets, you know and you know, I talk about this all the time on First Things First. I try to find a silver lining in it all. And uh, I tell Nick Wright all the time, like, man, my greatest football experience is with the Jets. Like, I, I freaking loved it. Like, I am a Jet. And he doesn't understand it. He thinks I'm playing, but I'm absolutely serious about it. So as a, a as a Jet fan, as a ex-Jet, you know, it, it sucks watching this, you know. Um, I think we all want to – this organization turn the corner and and win right be a contender so to see you know this year play out the way it did is disappointing but i I gotta say man you know obviously the jet situation is what it is but this is a funky year for everyone you know and we got to keep that in mind like it's just a terrible year and it's hard to uh, evaluate some you know, uh, so when I think about the Jets, there was a lot of holes coming into this season. You know, it, it didn't seem like we were going to be that competitive, you know, looking at the roster, and, and it played out that way. You know, obviously you had some injuries, up front injuries at the quarterback position, you know, Sam being in and out, receiver position. Coming in, there was a lot of question marks with the receiver position. You lose Jamal Adams. It, it's just tough to kind of it, – it's tough to compete when you have all those issues.
0: Brandon, it's crazy to think that the last true meaningful Jets game was that game in Buffalo and Jets-Bills in 2015 where you guys win, you're, you're going to the playoffs. Isn't it crazy in your mind to think that in the last five years there hasn't been a game you circle be like, all right, you can win this game and go to the playoffs. It's been a while.
3: Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, that, that's brutal, man. Look, you know, is there, is there challenges within the organization? Absolutely. But, like, man, this is New York. This is a freaking New York football Jet, man new York jets like and they, they 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 get they get they give the players and the coaches all the resources to to get it done um obviously you know some people love Woody and some people don't love Woody's approach, but at the end of the day, you know this organization being in this market should be a winner, and we're talking about five years if that's what you're saying five years and and, and we haven't been above five hundred that's, a, that's 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 the problem.
1: Brendan, I think it was interesting. I think people would find it interesting what you said that your best experience was with the Jets. Obviously, you played for a number of different teams. One of the storylines floating around, I'm sure you guys have talked about this on First Things First, is the idea that Trevor Lawrence might not want to come here if the Jets have the number one pick and might try to do the Eli Manning and, and maneuver. I don't I find that storyline laughable because whoever has the number one pick is a bad team. That's the way it works. Like you're going to a bad team. And people talked about this last year with Joe Burrow and the Bengals. What do you think of that of the idea that somebody might not want to come to the Jets? And what would you say, you know, if you could advise Trevor Lawrence, if the Jets do have the number one pick?
3: Yeah, there's some organization. Right, there's a lot to this thing on conversation. Geez. <laughs> so I understand it from a player's perspective. If Trevor Lawrence is my son, right, like it is an interesting conversation because you got to think if I, if my son goes to a losing organization, a losing team, and there's no light at the end of the tunnel, then he's not going to have a great career. So we have to respect that, right? Like you're one guy can't change everything. So there's, you know, th- there's definitely validity behind that. But when I think about the Jets, I don't think about the Jets as one of those organizations. You know, I think the Jets, they are a good core. I mean, when's the last time we've had a, you know, I mean, Sam Darnold, is he the guy? Is he not the guy? I don't know. But, you know, let's take him out of the equation. Like, when's the last time we've had a a, a quarterback that's like, yo, that is the face of the franchise, right? Like, it, it really doesn't exist. I mean, Pennington was amazing. And then he had, you know, riddled with all these injuries. I love Ken Pennington. But is he up there with Tom Brady, Peyton Manning? You know, you can even put a couple other names in there, some of these younger guys, Deshaun Watson, Russell Wilson. Is this like depth, quarterback, never in that discussion. Obviously, it starts from the top. And I love Woody. I love, I love the Johnson. You know, but at the end of the day, y'all know I always keep it real. You know, we want to talk about Adam Gates, but, uh, you know, sometimes you got to look at yourself as well, right? So what is it that they can fit and what can they change so this organization can turn the corner. So I, if I'm a, if I'm Woody, right, and if I'm and if I'm in that, those meetings, I'm looking at okay, what am I doing wrong, and what can I do differently so we, we don't continue this trend. You know, yeah, general manager has a he plays a part in it, and also that's obviously the head coach. It's everybody. So you know, we're talking about losing over and over and over again. Everybody needs to look themselves in the mirror. So if I'm Trevor Lawrence. You know, I, I don't think this is that situation where it's like, I need to run from this. No, I, I, this is an organization where, man, hell, it's New York. You know, you come in here, you'll be a hero forever, you know, if, if you can come in and, and be one of the key pieces to turn this thing around. I think they're capable of doing that. Now, if we're talking about other teams, I ain't going to name no other teams, but, like, there's maybe one or two teams. I'm like, Trevor, Trevor, don't go. Pull pull the Eli Manning.
0: I mean, it's crazy to think since 1969, Jets haven't been to a Super Bowl, let alone win one. They haven't been in the game. I mean, the month of February has been wide open on Jets fans' calendars to vacation, do what they want. They don't need to make a trip down to wherever the Super Bowl is because it hasn't happened. So if Trevor Lawrence gets them there, he will have a statue waiting for him outside MetLife Stadium. Adam Gase was your receivers coach in Denver, Brandon. Obviously, he's catching a lot of heat a good chance in a few weeks or before he will be probably fired. What are your evaluations of Gase? uh, He was your coach in 2009, and obviously things haven't gone too well for him this year.
3: Yeah, I mean, I had a great time with uh, Coach Gase when we were in Denver. You know, he was awesome. And uh, just, you know, I'm proud of him. I'm proud to see him actually become a head coach. Like, that's hard to do, you know, so I got to give him respect there. But, at, you know, look, we're all in the business. This is the NFL. I was cut, you know, last couple – you know, last couple years of my career, I was cut a couple times. And we all got to deal with it. And, you know, how things have played out the last – you know, this year, last year, you know, uh, if he's fired, then I think everybody, w- w- you know, understands it. You know, uh, he's a big man. He'll pick himself back up and, 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 and move forward. It's like whether that is a position coach, coordinator, and getting a shot out of head coach gig again. Uh, at some level, whether it's college football, NFL, who knows? But you know, this is this is part of the business, right? Like, you know, so I, I, you know, do I like Coach Gates? Absolutely. When I come back, he always, you know, rolls out the red carpet and treats me well. um But you know, hey, you know, everybody, all his friends, his family, his, his former players, his players, everybody got to answer this question. And the honest, the honest answer is, you know, yeah, there's probably a good chance he's going to be fired. And you know he, he's a part of the problem, so you know we all got to deal with it and move
1: forward. All right, Brandon, let's make some news now. Brandon, you know, you know, you always like you always good. You always knew the questions we were asking. when We were looking to make news. Take take me back to 2016 halftime in Kansas City. What the heck happened at halftime in Kansas City in 2016? Because that story lingered that whole year after that game.
3: Yeah. So, well, let's let's go to the first and second quarter. Uh, we're standing on the sideline, and uh, I think we just went three and out again offensively. And uh, me, Fitz, and maybe a few others on the offensive side was you know, just talking and trying to figure out what we need to do to 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 be better. And uh, Sheldon Richardson came over, and he was just like, "Y'all can get y'all asses off the plane now, or when y'all gonna show up?" I'm like, all right, Sheldon, we got you. I said, not now, bro. We, we, we're we going to be okay. It's all right. So we go back out there again, another three and out. We didn't do well. Come back to the sideline. Sheldon Richardson come up again. Get y'all asses off the plane. Are y'all going to play today? I said, Sheldon, chill out, bro. We're okay. We're, we're yeah, Look, this is not how you handle it, right? We go out there again. We may go three and out, or maybe we, we, we put together, you know, six plays or something, and then we but it wasn't great. Come back to the sideline. Sheldon Richardson is snapping so I snap back at him and I'm like man shut up man like this is not the time to do it like like you just want to keep coming over here and berating us, is this what you're going to do? Um, so we got into it. he ended up saying, like, yeah, we're paying you $10 million for nothing, et cetera, et cetera, right? So, you know, that situation ha- happened. And then um, I don't. it was after the game. I don't think it was at halftime. I think it was after the game. So after the game, you know, Coach Bowles is sitting there. And, he, you know, he's talking to the team, et cetera, et cetera. We're about to break it down. And I was like, Coach, I got something to say. And I said, look, you know, this just happened on the sideline. And I said – I think we need to talk about it and address it so we can move on. Like, we don't need this to linger. And I said, let's be men and let's talk about it. I said, and I said, Sheldon, is there something that you need to get off your chest, right? And Sheldon just starts snapping and, you know, saying the same things that he said on the sidelines. And I just looked at him. I said, see, this is the problem right here. This is what, like, we can't win with this. We This, this is why we lose. This is why we lost this game. What he was saying what he felt was valid, how he was going about it, I felt like it was the wrong way. Now, even in retrospect, I would have handled it different. Like, in my mind, I was like, look, let's not let this linger. Let's talk about this in the locker room like teammates, like men, and move forward because that was a that was a volatile situation, right? And um, in retrospect, what I would have done is let things cool off for a couple of hours and and, and, and maybe even, you know, have that conversation the next day or even on the day off uh with Sheldon um because it, you know after the game everybody's heated uh my intentions were great but um you know it didn't turn out well but at the end of the day like I'll say it, like no you're th- th- you're wrong don't don't do that everybody's working hard and even that even then like our offense we were liked out that year everybody's not going to come out and perform well every single game I get it we're all frustrated we want to win but that's not the way to do that. You don't come over there yelling and screaming at, at your offense. It's a team game. So, you know, I, I feel like, you look, man, the way my career was, I had to – after, you know, the way it started, very volatile and just, it, it, you know, I, I was a problem child. And when I clean things up, I don't think – I had, it was a thin line. Like nobody, I wasn't believable anymore. Like any slip up, any, any small uh, sense of emotion or anger. Now it's, Oh, that's the old Brandon Marshall. When, if I didn't go through those things early on in my career, I think I would have been considered a good teammate. There's certain things people can say and do and they have that credibility and respect in the locker room. I don't think I had that because of my past. But like like in retrospect, like yeah, I, I do think there was a better way. I could have waited a couple hours, but if if I was that captain, if I was that guy, I like if if Fitzpatrick did that, if you know Darrell Reeves did that, if Nick Mangle did that. I would have sat back and said, great, this is exactly what needs to be, ha- needs to happen. But that was never my locker room. That was never my team. You know, I was almost, you know, every situation I came in, it was a rebuilding team. It was a losing situation and I was thrust in, in a locker room and, you know, early on in my career, I was part of the problem, but I felt like I was being as part of, I was a part of the solution, but I wasn't the guy that was never my team. So it always, you know, made it a tough situation. Wow.
1: Well, yep. You cleared it up. I always wonder because we, we knew about it at the time that something happened and I can remember chasing you to the bus in New England uh, at the end of the season because Sheldon mouthed off in the locker room in New England about you. So that was always kind of a, an issue. So I'm glad you cleared it up and, and now we know the full story.
0: Are we about to get Nate Robinson, Jake Paul in, in the version of uh, Brandon Marshall and Sheldon Richardson?
3: <laughs> Listen, I mean, look, I, I'm, I'm a transparent person. It's out there. We talked about it. Like Sheldon Richardson, I like I'm not his favorite guy, and and, and and he's not my favorite guy,
2: you know, uh,
3: or back then it was. I mean, it's so like, – you know, but if we're going to have the conversation, we're going to have – it's out there, right? But my thing is, ball, do your job. That's my thing. It's like, just do your job. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't – t- no, I don't want to be in the organization where people are coming late. I don't want to be on a practice field warming up and I'm seeing players – seeing the guy walk out to the practice field. Like, no, I don't want that. No. It's unacceptable. I'm not going to sit back and watch that. And I don't think any captain, any leader would do that. So if you're going to be held, like, don't get, don't, don't, don't be held accountable and then, you know, flip it in the media like I'm the problem. No, I'm balling. I'm having my career here and I'm on time. I'm doing the things I'm supposed to do. Right. So that, that was my issue. You know what I mean? And everything I did, everything I did, I handled, I handled, you know, in the locker room. Sheldon was the one that took everything public would put in a tough spot but you know
0: <laughs> it, it, it. he also was driving cars a little bit too fast above the speed limit as well <laughs> so uh, we gotta we gotta control his miles per hour a little under 100 next time sheldon uh there was a, there was shouting matches that can be productive i don't know if you saw the recent clip uh with devin hester talking about jay cutler and he he had mentioned you did you see that clip with uh, untold stories
3: yeah, that was pretty cool. And it was, it was, it was like 75% accurate. You know, Jay Cutler and I have just an interesting relationship. You know, Jay just, you know, it, it, it was, it's interesting. Jay was first round. We were drafted the same year in 2006 to the Denver Broncos. He was our first uh, round pick. We had Tony Scheffler, our tight end. Uh, he was um, our third round pick. And then I was, a i i went fourth round. Our Tony may have even went second round, not sure. And uh, we were all close, and you know both of our careers took took off. He's the face of the franchise. He's Jay Cutler. He's balling, and I was balling as well. But then I started, you know, having some really big years. And when we reconnected in Chicago, it, it just felt like it was one of those things where he just always wanted to make sure that I was humble. And so, like, there was never a compliment. There was never, you know, "Hey man, great job. I'm proud of you." It was always like, "Oh, you're not that good." It was like always like a, and and. It was I don't think it was coming from a bad place. I just I just felt like I felt like he felt he needed to be the person to try to keep me humble and, and make sure my feet are always on the ground and I didn't need that. Cause, uh so, you know, yeah, one day we you know, we got into it and it was just always something. Me. It was always on me and I'm like, Come on, bro, like I'm the pro bowler, pro bowler here, like you need to chill now. Yeah, that's the Jay Cutler story. But <laughs> That's every day with us.
0: <laughs> it's a great story because you had mentioned 21 straight times he threw to you for 1050 bucks or whatever that was.
3: Well, I mean, that was a real situation. I mean, there's so much more to that story. But, you know, we had an opportunity. I felt like that was our, our Super Bowl year for us. If if on the offensive side, we had a, a threat on the other side, which we did. We just didn't utilize, you know, the Devin Hester's the right way. And then we even had Earl Bennett. We just needed another option there that Jake Cutler felt comfortable with. Devin Hester had a phenomenal camp, and then all of a sudden we get to the regular season and there's no action there. So Devin was always frustrated. I remember times us sitting in a a, a meeting room and Devin just breaking down as me and, and our receiver coach. And and just consoling him like man like let's try to figure this out. Running game wasn't getting couldn't get going because we had some struggles up front. Uh, So it was a it was a struggle offensively. But yeah, I I think that Devin Hester story that was a that was a rough year for him, rightfully so because him and Jay Cutler never connected. You know, you go back to when they first moved into wide receiver, so that was a big deal for him. You know, and he, he he always felt some type of way. You know, Jay, that, I mean, he would drop back no matter what the coverage was. And he was throwing to me no matter what. Because we, we had an interesting rapport in, in the chemistry where you throw a slant. We'll say, okay, we're going to go I right. We'll go Z. We go, we'll go Lion and Dragon. So on the back side on the X, I got Dragon. So that means I'm running a slant, five-yard slant, the back out of the backfield, or maybe the motion tight end is going to run straight to the flat. So, in that situation, you're only coming to me pretty much versus man and maybe three. Jay Cutler would come to me versus any type of coverage, like even like two men It takes away the slant. We had such a crazy bond in, in the chemistry where two men, the guys, the cornerback sitting inside, I would actually run a slant, whip back out, Jay Cutler's eyes still on me, and he would just hit me, throw it. So we always had an option for everything. And it wasn't something that we ever talked about it just happened. I would actually feel it. You know, first, I remember the first time going back to Denver days, we ran a slant versus two men. I ran a slant. I'm like, holy crap, this play's dead. I look, Jay Cutler's eyes are on me still. I whip it back out almost like a return route, and he throws it to me, and I go for 15 yards. So I was like, oh, they're going to adjustment for us, and we were just so efficient that way. Um, so I felt like Jay Cutler was always comfortable with me, and I was always the outlet. And we always had a solution.
2: You were a sports TV
0: star and he is now a reality TV star. You love to see it both on the big screens.
3: <laughs> I th- Jay and I need to be like you and Dean. We need to have our, we need to do a podcast <laughs> oh, together. Man. I would pay Jay Cutler, give the good. people what they want. Be Jay good. Cutler, give the people what they want. Let's go. All
0: right, got to get this to Jay Cutler. Get a, uh, I'd pay a subscription fee uh, to listen to that show for sure. Uh, before we let you go, Brandon, talk about I Am Athlete. I was watching some of it, and Ocho Cinco talked about he slept in the stadium in the locker room, which I found insane, um, and what you're doing as well with House of Athletes.
3: Yeah, man, we have a few deals on the table right now where there's a few networks that want to buy I Am Athlete. We're also franchising it. So we're going to do I Am Athlete uh, Miami, which is the show that I'm currently on. Uh, we're launching I Am Athlete LA and I Am Athlete New York. Just to pull back the curtains of the locker room, we feel like this is a great opportunity for people to really see uh, an unbuttoned approach to sports, right? Like, you know, talking X's and O's is great, but I think there's a, a real demand for this type of conversation. Just like, you know, tell us what really happened in halftime in Kansas City. I would love I, I would love for to hear Sheldon's perspective on that as well, right? like I think people want to hear that and let up oh, on third down, there's seventy percent of the time they're doing this. you know this team ranks this like I mean that's good, and there's a place for it, but I want to hear that Sheldon so I want to hear that story about me and Reeves getting into it in camp. I want to hear the story about you know what happened with Rex Ryan, et cetera, et cetera. So you know that's what I am athlete is and it's and it's and it's, and it's and it's and it's performing well right now. And House of Anthony is something that I launched in 2012, and now that I'm done, we're finally scaling. And that's, you know, opening up the best sports labs in the world. Or this year, you know, we'll probably have maybe 15 first-rounders training at our Florida location. And we'll open up 42 more over the next uh, four years. So super excited about that. We launched our our apparel line yesterday. um, And then also our supplement line was launched a couple of months ago. So just really trying to bridge the gap in the health and wellness community.
0: Asking for a friend, does it work for dad bods as well?
3: (laughs) That's exactly that. You're my person. You're the person that I'm targeting. So on Facebook, I'm targeting people like you because you need it the most. So, absolutely. Um, you know, that's what we do. We take athletic performance and we and were scaling to the general population. So, yeah, we have professional athletes and combine athletes training here. But really, the bulk of our business comes from general, general population people who are just like, look, I don't want to run on a treadmill all day or do this bike all day. I want something that uh, is pretty cool and it's really going to give me results. So, that's what House of Athlete is. Love it.
1: I'm ready, Brandon. I'm ready. I'm ready to start training.
3: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, let's go, B. Let's go, B.
0: <laughs> We're going to throw in some of those sweatpants and, and look good out there. Brandon Marshall, follow him on Twitter and Instagram, at B. Marshall. Check him out on First Things First and inside the NFL on Showtime. And check out I Am Athlete and then houseofathlete.com. Brandon, we appreciate the time, man. And maybe we'll get you and Sheldon on here to do a podcast at some point as well. That would be fun.
3: <laughs> I would love to do it. Get his perspective on Why he kept calling me out publicly. We're sitting next to each other on the planes and the buses and the locker room. You could come to me and talk to me. Let's love, go. And if, if we need to kick everybody out the locker room and put gloves on, we can do that as well. Let's go, <laughs> Sheldon.
0: Get that on video. All right, Brandon, appreciate it, man. All right, it's time for a new segment here where we hear from you, the
2: listeners. You've got mail.
0: Guys, All pick right. 125th in the fourth round you telling me that that was a great pick, guys? Guys, get out of here with that, man. It's Joe Douglas, man. I
3: gave him a couple passes. Messed up with Robbie. James Morgan hasn't dressed. Fourth-round pick from from FIU. I'm from down here in Miami. That guy doesn't deserve not even to to clean the
0: footballs (laughs) on Sundays. Maybe on Saturdays, Division two pick
3: 125, guys. It's not even funny.
0: Wow, he is – you know, I can't blame him. James Morgan hasn't dressed and I mean, your Uh, fourth-round pick. uh, I'll let let you take this one, guys.
1: (laughs) Uh, It's a fourth-round pick. They're not supposed to play that much as rookies. They're not. Like, they might not ever play. Like, this is my view on the draft, Jake. First and second round, you want to get starters – that are going to come in and fill a need that you have on your team. Okay, Third round guys, you want guys that are going to be able to contribute on special teams as rookies and hopefully become starters in their second year in in the NFL. After the third round, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, those are all just lottery tickets. If You you might hit on them, you might not. You just try to take the best guy. In terms of taking a quarterback, you always want to have a quarterback on your roster that you're trying to develop. Now, James Morgan, his ceiling is probably as a backup. That's probably it. He's not, you know, I don't think he's going to be a starter in this league. But if they can get some guy they develop into a backup quarterback that can be a backup for a while, that's good. You, you need that. So, Normally, I would
0: rip it, but when you take Christian Hackenberg in the second round, that changes everything for me.
1: Well, that, what I just say in the second round, you should be taking someone who's going to start for you day one. That was terrible. This is Bryce Petty. Bryce Petty was a fourth round pick, right? Bryce Petty did not play at all as a rookie. Then he played the last four games his second year, the last four games his third year, and then he was gone. He figured out he couldn't play. But it's fine. Like, the Patriots took Jared Stidham. It's the same thing. Like, evaluating Joe Douglas on a fourth-round pick, evaluate him on Mekhi Becton, Denzel Mims, Ashton Davis, Jabari Zuniga. Those are the guys that – that's the key to this draft. If he hits on any of those guys on day three, that's to me, that's great. Like You need to hit on some of them, but you, you can't kill him if he doesn't hit on all of them. Like that, That's not where I'm evaluating, and especially not in December of that draft class. Like If you want, in three years from now, if James Morgan never steps on the field, and you want to say that's a bad pick, okay, that's a bad pick.
3: You've got mail. Hey, what's up, guys? Uh, so I'm looking at the Jeff draft pick. Let's just assume we get Trevor Lawrence.
2: So we got a late first and early second, and then maybe a mid to late second with the Darnold pick maybe uh i'm thinking we get three offensive linemen there you know the interior
3: offensive linemen are great this draft there's a couple of good tackles as well and then say we get a receiver you know juju smith um will fuller do we actually have a good offense next year uh that's my question though no, thanks all
0: right I, I think he brings up valid points cause I, I don't think the problem is i don't think it's going to be an overnight fix i don't think you bring an offensive lineman as rookies and it's like all right they're your starters we're great we're set um, I think it's going to take time to develop, but I really do think if they get one or two of those receivers and maybe even step up at tight end, I just, I don't know about Chris Hernan anymore. Um, you got to bring in another tight end potentially. And Ryan Griffin hasn't done much, but you know, I don't think it's an overnight transition, but I do think they are a couple players away and a Trevor Lawrence being good away from being a, a pretty potent offense.
1: Do they have to play defense next year, Jake? No, it's about the yeah. giving them a waiver because like, <laughs> Yeah, it's great. They have. They could. He, his scenario with the Donald trade is four picks in the first two rounds. Okay, so the first pick is Trevor. We know that. Three more picks. You can't use them all on offense. Like you can't. Like they, this team has no cornerbacks whatsoever. This team has no pass rush whatsoever. Like you need to. Like I am all for like take another lineman. Uh, you know to, to go with Beckton from this year. And in, and in the later rounds, take more and see if you can hit on them. Uh, I think receiver, I would address in free agency, like we talked about. But you got to – one of those picks, at least one of those picks has to be defense. This, this defense is terrible. Like, they, they, they have to do something defensively there and get some talent into the defense. You've got mail.
3: Yeah, this is Dave down the Jersey Shore. Um, Hugh Jackson went 1-15 his first year and 0-16 his second year. They brought him back for a third year after they drafted a quarterback with the number one overall pick. Everyone thinks Adam Gase is getting fired, but you've got to prepare yourself for the fact that he probably might not be fired. The light at the end of the tunnel might just be another train coming.
0: Well, Dave, in the Jersey Shore, you will catch me in a Speedo and nothing else in the Jersey Shore once COVID is over, uh, you know, yelling if Adam Gase is back next year. You know, I'll, I'll put a bet on that. I know, you know, I'll, I'll be in the Brooklyn Bridge in a thong uh, with nothing else on if Adam Gase is the coach because I just don't see it happening. And I think Cleveland cause is different than New York. Cleveland's been inept for just so many years, and this is New York City. I don't think Jets fans will stand for it next year. They won't come into the games if Adam Gase is the head coach. So I, I really hope his scenario isn't true. And I don't know how we could compare that to Hugh Jackson, but le- let me pray that, uh, that Dave down on the Jersey shore is not right on that one.
1: Yeah, I don't think he's right, Jake. I think Adam Gase will be gone at the end of the season. A um, couple things. The Cleveland situation it was different. Hugh Jackson was hired basically in a situation where Cleveland was going moneyball. Remember they hired Paul de Podesta from your beloved Mets and they brought in Sashi Brown, they promoted him. The idea was like they were going to be bad for a few years. They knew they were going to be bad for a few years. So obviously Hugh survived that and then got fired in the middle of 2018. That wasn't what the Jets did here. The Jets are just bad. Like they, this was not a plan. <laughs> so, you know, I don't think that I don't think that's a good I understand the 0-16 comparison, but it's not really the same situation. Second thing, Jake, to me is Christopher Johnson needs to change the conversation around his football team. It's toxic right now. They are the punchline every time you turn on ESPN. They're an easy mark right now. They get made fun of no matter what they do. People make fun of them. And obviously the Jets don't have a leg to stand on. They're 0-11. They can't fight this. The quickest way to change the conversation about the team is to fire Adam Gase, hire a new head coach, and start over. And you know, there's a depressing element of that, Jake, that you're starting over again, I guess. But I do think as depressing as the situation around the Jets is right now, if they end up with the number one pick, and they hire a new coach in January. I think I think you crazy Jets fans, Jake, and tell me if I'm wrong. I think there's going to be optimism from January till August about hey, you know, they're on the right track. They're turning around, Trevor. You guys will probably fall in love with the new coach. I would think maybe you know, there's a, there's a small chance you'll hate it, but probably fall in love with him the way you feel about Gase. It's going to be you know anything other than Gase. I think you'll be happy with right now. So maybe that changes when the games start being played in September. But I think there's a, a long period of optimism coming here, Jake. So. I think that's the key part for that is changing coaches to create that atmosphere.
0: Cause I agree. I think they flipped the script. And when you have a hundred million in cap space to go along with all those things you talk about, you could really flip this thing and bring some positivity. I don't think jets fans are going to say, Oh, super bowl 2021 twenty one, we're back in the stadium. Can't wait. Uh, that's not but definitely it starts with firing the head coach on Black Monday or in these coming weeks we'll see when it happens
1: look at the Giants Jake even the first place thing put that aside but like they love Joe Judge you know and they, they feel like they see the team getting better like there's a lot of optimism around the Giants even though they're not very good right now you know and they play, you know they play in that crazy division so they're in first place yeah
0: Joe in the Jersey Shore I'll be down to the Borgata gambling soon but uh, you know I won't be with Adam Gase as Jets head coach I'll tell you that so I hope that is wrong thanks everyone for leaving your voicemails you can call us every Every week, we'll do them on our Wednesday recordings, 973-826-5775. First time, long time caller here on Gangs All Here. Thank you for your support. Adam Gase is lying. that wraps up episode 53 the jim sweeney edition of gangs all here our jets podcast from the new york post thanks to alex camarada for helping me out in producing the show give gangs all here some love on apple Podcasts. give us a five-star rating and write in a nice review we appreciate your support for brian costello i'm jake brown we return to you on monday following the jets raiders game let's see if the tank for trevor stays alive enjoy the game and stay safe folks
3: Man, I'm fired up, ready to go.